0: Welcome to the Revital Health Podcast. I'm Jodie Duval, and I'm a functional naturopath in Perth, WA. This is a place where you can expand your knowledge on how to optimise your health and realise your full potential. We'll have cutting edge information with expert guests and having lots of fun along the way. Get ready to be empowered and motivated to reach your higher vitality and find your ultimate potential. Let's go! Hello, today my guest is the wonderful Boomer Anderson, and we are talking about quantifying personal health, tips for productivity and mental focus, cognition enhancers, and health optimization. So, Boomer Anderson is on a mission to elevate the human experience through health. He is a health optimization practitioner, entrepreneur, and host of the Decoding Superhuman podcast, which was the top 100 business and careers podcast in four countries. So after graduating from University of Minnesota, Boomer had a successful career in investment banking in New York and Singapore. A health scare took Boomer on a different path, enabling him to find a successful clinical practice as a catalyst for entrepreneurs and executives to achieve better performance through health. Boomer Anderson serves as the CEO of Health Optimization Practice, Hope, in Europe, a non profit organization. So health optimization medicine and practice purpose is the advancement of science technology transformations and practices in healthcare that can detect and correct imbalances from the level of the metabolites to the smaller units of structure or function in order to optimize health prevent disease and optimize the quality and quantity of the aging process so the organization is also dedicated to educating and training healthcare professionals providers practitioners scientists researchers industry participants and the public on breakthroughs that change, alter, modify, transform, enhance or even render obsolete, formally uh, taught fundamental and basic mental and healthcare educational information and the impact and required changes in actual healthcare practices. So we hope you get a lot out of this and enjoy this discussion with Boomer. Hey Boomer. All the way over Jody. Hey. <laughs> Where are you,
1: Amsterdam? My goodness. I, I am in Amsterdam where it seems to be the only place not on lockdown these days. And <laughs>
0: is know,
1: everyone out the back? Well, not quite yet, because it's 8 a.m. and anybody who's been to Amsterdam knows that the city starts a little bit later. But,
2: <laughs> and, you
1: know, the sun is shining. And so it, it's nice for me to go on my morning walks Uh, Yeah, I do morning walks at the rightful age of 34 Um, and just enjoy the sun because, you know, Amsterdam, similar to London, which you know a lot about, uh, has only about 67 days of sunlight a year. And so got to take advantage of those when they come.
0: Yeah, amazing. All right. So here we are today going to talk a little bit about quantifying methods for health, which um, you are an expert at, I would say, because you've done a lot of it. (laughs) And personally, um, as well as keeping our mental focus and productivity in these stay at home times, as well as on day to day life outside of these lockdown times, um, which is really important for people who not only work from home or have their own businesses, but just staying focused and having that freedom and mental clarity to then be able to have fun with their lives at the same time. So on that note, I just wanted to give you give you room for a little bit of um, telling us about who you are, what
1: you've been doing, and sort of what brought you to this point in your life? You know, what's funny, Jody. is the, the question of like who I am has been harder and harder to explain mm-hmm. <laughs> over the years. But I, I guess let, let's start with kind of vocationally what I do. I help entrepreneurs change the world by optimizing their health. Um, now, vocationally, which is all of the stuff that I put out into the world, I have a podcast called Decoding Superhuman, which is Essentially, it is a podcast focused on verticals of health optimization and how to do that, particularly with a time constraint, because, uh, and I'll get to my background a little bit more in a second, but the idea of servicing the time constraint professor, professional, not professor, um, that's a little Good different,
2: Good day. is,
1: yeah, in certain cases, Uh, Is that's kind of my clientele in reality. And so I have the podcast, which is a top 100 business and careers podcast in multiple different countries, occasionally Australia. Uh, And then on top of that, I do a little bit of business consulting work. So I work with a few different businesses to help them grow either from zero to one or particularly in that early stage uh, of, of business growth. So right before they would go and raise uh, seed money or Series A money. And then, of course, how we know each other is through the Home Hope Association, which the Home Hope Association, I'm sure you've had Scott on the show. I'm sure you've talked about it multiple times, but uh, I like to explain it to people is if you look at healthcare systems around the world, um, you know, healthcare is probably not the right word to apply to it uh, in the sense that. You know, what do you go see your traditional doctor for? Uh, you usually go when you're sick. well, there needs to be another component to that, like who helps manage your health and What I love about Home Hope and why I'm glad we're able to interact on that front so often is because uh, home hope itself is teaching people how to be health managers, how to optimize others' health and the the future path of that is pretty powerful, right? Like how do you create a society whereby people are actually optimized for health and what does that mean for healthcare costs? What does that mean for people living longer but healthier lives? That's that's really exciting um, But you asked a question about my background And yeah. so my background was not in this space necessarily my my background I've always been obsessed with performance, so being that physical or mental from a very young age, and eventually that led me to a career in Wall Street. I worked for two years at an investment bank in New York, and then that bank sent me to Singapore, not too far from your land, uh, where I spent six years on the lovely little red dot, and that was a pretty amazing experience. So at the age of 26, I Took over a financing desk and had 14 different countries whereby I was helping companies and governments raise money anywhere from India all the way to Indonesia. But there was a little bit of a, a a twist there because even though I was obsessed with performance, the things that I was doing at the time were all to the extreme. You know, from the age of 18 to 30, I slept between four and six hours a night. Uh, and everybody shakes their head when I say that, but at the time, I was like, oh, wow, you know, Nas told me to do this in this song uh, at New York State of Mind, you know, why wouldn't I just, you know, follow what Nas does, because, you know, Nas the Rapper knows, yeah, exactly, Nas the Rapper knows exactly everything about chronobiology, Uh, so, I, I was doing things like that, but I was also crossfitting. There was a point where I was potentially going to look at coming to regionals in Australia as a part of a team. And I was crossfitting like between 10 and 12 times a week on top of having this investment banking job. So, anybody who is familiar with the nervous system knows that, you know, at some point that broke. And uh, that resulted in me getting diagnosed with cardiovascular disease at the age of 30. And so uh, all of this, you know, I was doing everything to the extreme. We'll get into the quantification element Mm -hmm. of it. There was a quantified self part, but I wasn't necessarily looking at it through the right lens. Mm -hmm. And between 30 and where I am now, I've done a lot of unpacking of what that right lens is, what the right things are to measure. And funny enough, you know, I got started in this, you know, role of health consulting because former clients asked me to help them really dissect what they were going through mm-hmm. uh, because I had already done it myself. So that was um, that's the journey in a way but mm-hmm. happy to go down any one of those wormholes if you want.
0: <laughs> well it's that extreme living where a lot of us do it to, to a certain degree isn't it and you're burning the candle at both ends and then suddenly, boom you're like wow uh why am i not feeling as i was you know last year or the year before because my nervous system and i have overdone it completely and um, i yeah. think a lot of people get to that point in varying degrees and i think that's really important maybe to um unpack a little bit more of how you then quantified that and how you then um discover that at a deeper level
1: yeah sure so uh, what's funny is is I've been involved in this movement called quantified self for a very long time and quantified self was something that was a, a term that came uh Kevin Kelly who's the founder of Wired magazine and his editor in chief Gary Wolf who is a friend of mine came up with in like the late 90s I believe mm. and when I originally discovered quantified self and it still is to this extent a very gritty forum online and you go in and you start seeing what people are posting. And, you know, I started hearing of terms like HRV and just kind of the idea of tracking certain things in a spreadsheet. And because I'm a spreadsheet dork, like this all appealed to me, (laughs) but, uh, you can imagine like the banker spreadsheet dork. I mean, I'm fulfilling every single stereotype. Right. Yeah. You know, sitting there late at night in whatever, either Wall Street or in Singapore, and just kind of tracking different things. And and the idea of the tracking was like, okay, how do I associate particular feelings uh, with some sort of data point? And so quantified self is just simply taking the N of one or data of you and helping to optimize, in my case, optimize aspects of my life. Now, the question I was asking myself back then was, Simply, how do I sleep less and get more done? Now, I didn't know as much as I know now, and I'm still kind of on that other side of the Dunning-Kruger effect, or I was back then. Mm -hmm. And I thought, like, hey, you know, there's other people that have figured out how to sleep four to six hours a night. Let me figure out how to do that. Um, So I began to unpack all of that. But, okay, the the event happens, and I realized that, hey, I probably got that question wrong. And so where do you start beginning to delve into it? Well, okay, sleep is something that you can very easily track with a spreadsheet, just sort of, okay, I went to bed approximately at X, I woke up at Y, how many hours did I get? That's just a beginning elementary measurement, right? Mm -hmm. So I started tracking things like that. Which I was tracking before, but now with a lot, lot more attention to it. Then you begin to uncover this world of different biomarkers and some of the easier ones to measure. Like, for instance, if you have a polar chest strap, measuring HRV, heart rate variability, is pretty easy. And so, when we're talking about a broken nervous system, well, heart rate variability or that distance between heartbeats or time between heartbeats. Uh, is a good signal on how to really see the health and assess the health of your nervous system. Yeah. And so that right there allows me to stick a data point out there and say, here's where my nervous system is now.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I'm obviously feeling like poop. So how do I make my nervous system better? Well, it really becomes bettering that metric. And then you can start to back into your different behavior changes in order to make it 10, 20, 30% better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And are you, I, I think um, you've got an aura ring. Yeah. So is that something?
1: That oh, yeah. Know? Yeah. So it, I, I gave the example of the spreadsheet is sort of like, here's how you do it. If, if do the it, only, yeah. yeah. If you have access to the Internet, you can start quantified self. Really. You can just yeah. pull out a spreadsheet and say like, hey you know, this is the amount of time that I spent doing this per day. It made me feel like this or a simple experiment for everybody to run. If you're a wine drinker is like, okay, I had two glasses of wine last night. How do I feel in the morning? Right. And you can subjectively rate yourself and subjective ratings do have value. Mm. But what I do with clients now is because I'm a little bit of a tech fiend as well. I, I love the technology and how it can actually accelerate a lot of these behavior changes yeah all of my clients have an aura ring and so yeah. what we use is the aura ring being probably the best tracker out there for for sleep aside mm-hmm. from like your gold standard polysomography test which i still have a problem with going to a sleep lab and trying to sleep so i'm not sure that's the best thing anyway yeah.
2: but sleep,
1: <laughs> no Uh, you know you you get yeah I mean it's like going to a hotel room right like the first night you may not sleep so well but the second night you're probably okay but you put all these contraptions on and you're like okay this is supposed to be an accurate measurement of my sleep (laughs) Um, it doesn't make sense to me but that brings about a point just in general about quantified self data because I've said that in forums before about polysomography tests and people go well well you know, the aura Ring's not accurate in certain stages. The point of all of this is like, you want to get data versus you. So you want to look at the relative pattern of the data and the trend set. Mm. So even if it is something like a Fitbit, which is not extremely accurate, yeah. you still have data versus yourself and you're able to compare how you improve over time.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's, that's the way I, I look at, you know, we can go down gadgets if you want. Like there are so many different ways we can get started on quantified self, but I do love the aura ring.
0: Yeah, the aura ring's cool. I don't have one yet. But I I, oh. I plan to get one very soon. But more so for the temperature as well, because I have a lot of women uh, clients, well patients and it it is good for tracking temperature in regard relation to fertility and reproduction, but also with thyroid health too. So I find that yeah. a very key focus would be good for, for a lot of women, even men.
1: It's interesting because like I can tell you um, with my Oura Ring, if my temperature is elevated and the way they reflect this is kind of deviation from your norm.
2: Mm. If
1: my, if my temperature is elevated by a certain amount, I will know with a reasonable degree of certainty within two days I will be getting quote unquote sick, or I will, be, I will be a little bit less than normal in terms of performance. If you think about the power in that information, for me, it's like, okay, if I know that, let's say Sunday I, my temperature was elevated, um, it wasn't, but just say, say it was for this situation. I could say like, hey Jody, let's reschedule that podcast for a couple days later in the week. So that, you know, I may recover from whatever is oncoming. And like, this is something that is very interesting because I can't explain exactly why it's right. But it has been with me at least able to predict what's going to happen within a couple of days. And I mean, what's before we got on here, there's this article in California about how Aura is now sponsoring a study uh, with regards to the current uh, COVID-19 uh, issue. Yeah. And so there's people, in, and there's people in Finland who have backed into being able to observe the symptoms before they came physical symptoms. So through quantified self data, and they were using, in particular, in this case, the Aura Ring. I'm happy to send you the article afterwards, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a fascinating uh, subject whereby we can look at the Aura Ring, pulse oximetry, and so many other different devices and back into. Potentially severe disease states or virus states before they even happen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's the immune system response, and it's it's heating itself already, ready to fight whatever's coming in. And if you knew that then, then load up on the herbs, load up on the vitamins, load up on all those antioxidants and things that will help boost that immune function. Beautiful.
1: Mm -hmm love it exactly or like i just right now i'm just making a bunch of smoothies right and so it's just like, you
2: know,
1: <laughs> gigantic gigant antioxidant smoothies so absolutely uh, you know, we have fun with that yeah
0: very cool all right so other measures of this self-quantification like what other i know we've got we can go down gadgets because i'm ai i love a bit of gadgetry as well yeah um, what other things would you be toying with what, what other things have you tried over the years
1: uh, let's go with kind of basic principles and then we can get into some of the more esoteric things that okay. I've tried.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, so basic principles, like people should, if I'm working with an entrepreneur, just for instance, or mm-hmm. just somebody who. Uh, I know that this podcast you mentioned it goes out to a lot of practitioners Mm -hmm. as a practitioner You are by default somewhat of an entrepreneur And so you have a business to manage and you also have a practice to manage you have to deal with people's emotions and all of this stuff, right? Uh, And so If you look at just sort of basic principles of sleep stress and nutrition, how can we start tracking those? well in In certain cases uh, the Aura Ring covers the, the basics on sleep and stress.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, in terms of sleep, it's probably the most accurate sleep tr- tracker out there. In terms of stress, the only thing I don't love about the Oura Ring is, and they're getting better at this, in terms of uh, data on your nervous system in any given moment, yeah, they do have a, a function called moment where you can get it, but it's not as intuitive of le- as, let's say, wearing a polar chest strap or using there's a company called Elite HRV in Asheville, North Carolina, that has a fingertip sensor for, uh, for HRV. And so being able to track stress and just being able to recognize how certain behavior patterns, whether it be checking your email first thing in the morning. And there's a deliberate reason where I try to avoid checking email for 30 minutes because I know my HRV will go lower.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: so if I wake up, I need that 30-minute gap Uh, because I know my HRV will go lower Uh, nutrition tracking now here is nobody likes to do food tracking or calorie counting right it's just one of those things that uh, for whatever reason and no technologist has been able to figure out how to make this an enjoyable part of our lives so I, I do have I go to nutrition track whenever I change my diet so let's say last year I did a marathon. Um and my diet became slightly more carby than us- usual. And so I would have uh, a nutrition tracker and I use chronometer for this because all of the data points that it outputs in terms of you know omega-6-3 ratios, uh, vitamins, minerals, etc., are very useful to me. Uh, but using a nutrition tracker for a period of time helps people bring awareness to their meals. Yeah. which if somebody's default problem is they're a stressed eater and they're stressed all the time, yeah, we can monitor HRV, but let's start to bring that association and that mindfulness to actually eating. Mm. Uh, so those are those are some basic principles. Uh, of course, there's lab testing, which we can go into extensively, uh, just in terms of bringing about what is going on with you on a cellular level? And I'm sure you've covered this on the show before uh, to the forefront.
0: But I I would be interested to see what you've sort of done on a personal level as well as what you sort of um, recommend or use on a regular basis with your clients, because it can be confusing out there. What people think, um, you know, depending on obviously what's going on with them, there's going to be varying degrees of different things that you're going to do with your condition or with what you're aiming to do. But on a general level, where would you where would you go for people if they're really wanting to sort of get a set rhythm or really look, look in deep to then get going with their health?
1: So speaking towards quantified self-devices or speaking towards the laboratory work or both?
0: Mm, probably the laboratory, I reckon, will go down now. Yeah.
1: Sure. Uh, so when we look at lab work, um, and I've recently kind of changed my approach to this or at least mm-hmm. towards the end of last year um, when we look at lab work the idea is how to set up a something that serves as a benchmark yeah. and what I mean by that it's something that you could come back to time and time again and say like this is how I'm doing this is how I'm doing relative to where I was x number of months ago
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you can test and retest it and the test uh, reveal something about deficiencies that you may not see, um, at a physical level just yet. And yeah. so what do I mean by that? And so uh, when we look at lab testing, getting something to assess the health of your metabolism, uh, particularly looking at nutrient deficiencies as well as toxicities,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, at a cellular level, mm-hmm. and then Looking at your gut health, and so bacterial imbalances, or in my case, making sure that if I go wandering in these hills of Patagonia, I don't necessarily contract some random bacteria species. Yeah. Uh, there is a there is a story behind that, by the way. <laughs> uh, and then Do you contract please, the
0: bacterial species. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, this is um, this is kind of funny, and you know, our mutual friend Scott and yeah. I laugh what, about this. the amount
2: of your gut test?
1: Yeah. So I, I so uh, just give you my protocol for myself, but also for my clients. So mm-hmm. I will test. I will test myself at a minimum every six months. Wow. Um, right now, it's probably about every three because mm-hmm. of this particular species that's in my gut. So essentially, this, the backstory was: it was this. Uh, my mother turned sixty-five years old last year. We went mm-hmm. down to Argentina because. Uh, She loves her her vino, uh, especially from Argentina, and so we went down and did Mendoza. Uh, My fiancé and I decided to go down to Patagonia for about a week and do the W Trek, uh, looking at, I think they're called the Three Sisters. Mm. Um, I drank from a freshwater stream, thinking that, hey, we're in the holy waters of Patagonia. Uh, (laughs) It it turns out that may not be the case. Uh, So...
2: (laughs) Oh, what like I that. contract,
1: yeah, and I remember distinctly when I contracted it because, like, everything mm. went wrong in the gut. And so it was just like, okay, I, I could point, pinpoint pretty much when it happened, yeah. but, but it comes about in this test. And at what all of this testing does, and the one thing that I didn't mention yet was food sensitivity testing, mm. it gives us a framework. Uh, look at it as sort of a battleground we're now in an information age right let's pull some yeah. trendy topics out there where yeah. we're getting hit left right and center with so many different pieces of information all of which may be relevant but if you try to incorporate it all and believe me you can probably tell by my past like i, I have tried mm-hmm. uh, if you try to incorporate it all that certainly doesn't operate well within a time constraint environment, but also it's sometimes contradictory and what may not, what may be the same for, or what may work for a certain type of person doesn't necessarily work for another person. And so what this framework for lab testing does is allows us to get down to you at a bio individual level. And so what we look at is, you know, exactly what nutrients do you need? What sort of bacterial imbalances do you have? And what kind of food sensitivities do you have? Because me, myself, being sensitive to garlic is heartbreaking, but it's just Mm -hmm. the facts of life. And Mm -hmm. so you can correct that and you can look at something like an elimination diet and help to repair these things. But the whole fundamental idea boils around like we are not actually just a super organism, right? We are a collection of other organisms, Mm -hmm. Uh, that concept is referred to as the holobiont. so like we are a collection of fungi we are a collection of viruses we are a collection of bacteria which actually came about due to this symbiotic relationship between mitochondria and other interim bacteria so mm. they're looking at yourself as the health of your organisms is a certainly a different approach uh, when it comes to lab work and one that i find extremely effective both with myself and with clients
0: yeah absolutely and that's really brought. Um, the the home hope you know model Dr. Mm-hmm. Said, and how important it is that we um also get this out to the world because it is really moving the needle on health isn't it as he says so um and that's you know how we um divinely met and it's um it's a wonderful health strategy i think for people and doctors and practitioners to be learning um this way of healing people and with the quantified self-testing i think that's beautiful
1: yeah. They, what's interesting is I don't look at them as mutually exclusive, like in a way this gives you the framework by which to operate, right? The lab testing that is I'm doing this saying like most, maybe people, maybe people watch this, maybe people listen to it on audio, but the lab testing gives you the framework. It kind of, if you think of it, if you were to go to war, uh, with your, you know, call it the war for health optimization, um, uh, that gives you your battleground and your strategy by which to go by. Yeah. The quantified self are really like your how you get these individual strategies to perform at their best, fastest. Yeah. How do you accelerate behavior change? That's where quantified self helps.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So accelerating this um, behavioral change comes, comes back to this motivation and also staying productive in what we're doing, but also staying focused on our own health but not only just our general day-to-day life and everything that comes with that as well. So what are your best tips and tricks around that? And you're, you're a very productive man. <laughs> <laughs> and you also hear from all these wonderfully productive and very insightful people on your podcast as well. So what have you picked up over the years? What's your best skills? In, in terms
1: of just general productivity? Productivity
0: um, skills, or things that you would recommend someone that they shouldn't miss out on, little tips that they should be doing daily to keep themselves motivated and, and productive.
1: Uh, it's such a, a, a good question. <laughs> um <laughs> It is a very large one, and so I'm trying to dissect it like on the fly here.
0: I <laughs> like So,
1: let, the yeah, exactly. I, I love it too. Uh, I, I do it all the time on my own podcast. <laughs> okay, so let's start from the top down, right? Yeah. Um. So, in I won't necessarily go into a discussion around purpose and, and mm-hmm. here because I think that's a very prolonged discussion that yeah. maybe. Its own book, frankly. Mm,
2: absolutely.
1: But looking at uh, goal setting, uh, in particular, and what I mean by goal setting is how do you plant the flag in the ground? Like, how do you decide where you want to go? Mm-hmm. It's absolutely shocking how many people just sort of don't have that flag in the ground. It's just yeah. sort of okay. I'm wandering from place to place. Don't know exactly what I'm doing. But by simply putting that flag in the ground. It gives you some sort of direction, some sort of point at which to wake up. And in a day and age where we're probably shelter in place in most places in the world um, or moving towards that structure, not here yet, but it should be. uh, But we're moving towards that structure. How do you have that flag as sort of your guide? My favorite, there's so many different frameworks for setting goals and like you can go down and decide which one is for you. You know, there's things like uh, smart goals, there's smarter goals. My favorite framework for this is OKRs, which came out of Andy Grove's work in high output management uh, with Mm -hmm. Intel in the Mm -hmm. 1980s and 90s, -hmm. but there's a book on it uh, called Measure What Matters, and in case you can't tell, I enjoy measuring everything. Uh, (laughs) But uh, Objectives and Key Results is a book by John Doerr, who is uh, the managing partner at uh, the VC, it's one of the biggest VCs in the world, the VC Mm -hmm. that escapes me, of course, and the idea being is, okay, let's set an objective out there. And so rather than putting out your objective and saying like, okay, my objective uh, is to grow my podcast by grow, to grow my podcast to the number one podcast in the world, well, what what's your what's your key result for that? And your key results, they can probably be three. Uh, and you can say, And the key result needs to be measurable. So what does that look like? I get X number of unique downloads by a certain period of time, Mm -hmm. thereby you have a goal, you have a stake in the ground by which to motivate you every single day. Um, you know, there is a goal, there's something that you're sailing towards. If you're Columbus trying to find the new Americas, there's your new Americas, right? Uh, And so objectives and key results would be a framework that I encourage people to explore, especially if you enjoy some element of quantification, Uh, otherwise smarter goals. Uh, Don't ask me to break down all of the acronym right now, but uh, those are measurable as well. Uh, and then smart goals are are certainly frameworks by which for people to use now that just kind of puts the the flag out there right yeah the next question is is like how do you actually get your ass off the ground and start doing things right and so there is um, motivation is a very popular topic but before we get to motivation let's talk about how to just know exactly how much you have to do, hmm. and i David Allen, who is the author of Getting Things Done, actually lives not too far from me, and <laughs> so I've had his brain
0: on a regular basis. <laughs> uh,
1: n- not quite regular, not as regular as I would like, but maybe <laughs> too, maybe too regular for David. Yeah, uh, and he is—he wrote this book, and this is a book that simply changed how I operate when I was in college. I read it because I was going through like I was one of these people in college where I was just overly involved in everything like hey I was social chair of the fraternity I was you know working at an investment bank 30 hours a week taking a full credit load and this was about when that whole not sleeping thing started mm. but most people don't actually know the scope by which or the amount of stuff that they have to do mm. and so he has a practice in there called capture which simply prompts you to capture everything that you have on your brain and put it somewhere in an external source Mm -hmm. now for those listening here that wake up in the middle of the night for those listening here who have issues with falling asleep at night because their mind is so rattled so busy etc this particular exercise alone may be worth uh the price of admission certainly worth the price of the book but Mm -hmm. Think of it as a brain dump into a trusted source uh, whereby, and this is where technology helps. I mean, people used to do this with paper,
2: Mm. but
1: you have electronic to-do lists. And so you can dump it into a source by which your brain will then over time, as you continue to dump more and more into this source, uh, I use Todoist for instance, uh, you will be able to trust it more and more. And so what does that actually do? Your brain starts to trust things that you're not forgetting things. So you're not going to wake up in the middle of the night and be like, oh my God, I forgot this, right? Um, That can actually resolve a lot of people's insomnia issues, particularly in the entrepreneur space. Mm -hmm. So the exercise is called capture. And essentially what you do is you take your calendar, you take all of the to-dos, you go with a list of prompts, everything from events you have coming in the future, vacations you want to plan that workout you have to do, meditation, et cetera, and you just start dumping into this. And the first time that you do it, uh, when you're dumping into your to-do list, or to-do list, um, it will take you about a whole day uh, depending <laughs> on how busy you are. Yeah. And so breaking it out into chunks or doing sort of the Walden in the Woods retreat mm. is is useful for just going and kind of dumping your brain. Uh, over the course of a couple of, in my case, it took two days. So, but that's just varying, depends on what your involvements are or how fast you're doing this, how much coffee you need to do it, et cetera. (laughs) So there's, there's that. And so like, once you now have, I like the term battle plans. So once you now have a list of everything that you have to do, you have to categorize it and prioritize it. Um, And once you categorize it, you can categorize it. There's a structure out there. And rather than going deep into what this structure is, it's called para. Um, But essentially every to-do or project that you have can be classified as a project, uh, which is just something that takes longer than one to-do with an end date, or it can be classified as an area. Think of that as something that requires ongoing maintenance on your part, like Mm -hmm. health. Uh, resources these are just things that I research Um, and so resources being anything from you know if I want information on CBD if I want information on this particular herb I have it all organized in a very particular way Mm -hmm. and then archives are just projects that you've already finished Um, so that's that's a way to organize all of that information and so
0: where would what's you store this? Would this be like a, a notes section on your computer or your iPad? Or would there be particular programs that would you, you would use for this sort of thing?
1: Sure. So uh, you have a general inbox. So earlier, yeah. what I, I talked about was capture. Yeah. And so the capture uh, aspect, what would I use for that? So there's a virtual capture, which is, I mentioned Todoist, but there's plenty of other, you essentially want a to-do a to-do list app. Um, There are reasons why I like Todoist, and most of it has to do with the ability to tag things, and I'll get to that in a second. Um, Then you have sort of an area to store digital thoughts, uh, but also those articles that you want to read later, those emails that you need to respond to. For that, I use Evernote. Um, Mm -hmm. There are People like, I tried switching and there's another app out there called Notion. I tried switching to Notion and sorry for the Notion guys. I just didn't like it. Uh, but pe- certain people like that for a digital notebook. And then you need to have a physical inbox because for whatever reason, the Dutch government still says let- sends letters in the mail instead of over email. So having a filing cabinet, uh, not necessarily a cabinet or just a folder, frankly, uh, is very useful. That's your inbox. Then you also have to organize via um, topic. And so that could be, I use a digital file filing system. Digital storage is super cheap and it's only getting cheaper. I use uh, Google Drive. If you value your privacy slightly more, you may want to take a different source. Mm -hmm. But Google Drive works very, very well for me. And it also works very well for my business businesses that I'm involved in. Um, in terms of project management, there's really two players out there. I mean there's many players out there but in terms of structure it's like okay do you want to go with a Trello which is a Kongbong board format and I could talk about that a little bit or we can go um, or you can go into an asana which is more of a to do to-do list format and that's just really, that allows for collaboration. So for instance, my podcast all runs on Trello. And so my editor knows what to do. My, I call him my consigliere, uh, but Marco <laughs> is, Marco does all the stuff that I don't want to do. And he knows exactly what to do as well.
2: Yeah.
1: And, but to just get going yourself
2: mm-hmm.
1: and to come back to that, um, well, to get going yourself, just having a to-do list, a a knowledge, what we're actually constructing here is a personal knowledge management system. Mm -hmm. And so Evernote allows you to search your notes in sort of a Google-like format so that you can recall Mm -hmm. them later. And then having a Google Drive to have raw files. I know you and I like to read research papers. Mm -hmm. And so having those stored somewhere where you can recall them later, if you look at that personal knowledge management system, Everything constructed there looks very much like an external brain. And so what we're doing, exactly. And so it's all in between one to three apps, right? Mm -hmm. And that makes your life a lot easier. It gives you some sort of sense of relief. You don't have to remember everything. And for those, particularly those who are waking up in the middle of the night and not able to sleep, this is very useful and it can help relieve certainly a lot of stress there
0: Mm. yeah yeah, it's really good i know when i when you get busier i find that the more i write down it looks like i've got a lot to do but it feels like i've got less on my on my mind which is it it seems a little bit contrary but yeah (laughs) i like that i like that idea of really organized organizing it well as well
1: it's just um it takes a little bit of time to set up And not as much time as people think. So the capture is the biggest time constraint, right? And so um, putting every every to-do into some sort of to-do list, that takes a little bit of time to set up. But organizing your files, just start by throwing them all in one folder and calling it archive and throwing the date on it. And just start at time zero from there. Mm And then you can start organising by this system, uh, which I'll give you the link to the para file, because that's a very interesting way to organise yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah, sounds it. And so then, you know, the more that you do this, then the more productive you become, because the more clarity you can get around what you actually need to be doing at, at any time, any point in time.
1: So, so if you wanted to take this to its nth extreme yeah. and be like, become one of these super nerdy productive people, which... You are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm like. I'm like. Wow. Just call. Call. Pop. Calling the kettle black here. Uh, so you can take, and the reason why I mentioned to Todoist earlier, uh, but also like a to-do list in general, you can actually take your to-dos and start tagging them. And I ta- There's really a structure of five tags, right? Mm-hmm. And so you tag by your project. So what project is a part of? Yep. Uh, you tag by the amount of time that'll take you, the location, mm-hmm. the amount of effort that will take you, and really it's priority. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, you actually can create uh, something. You create a structure by which you can be productive in any moment.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: if you're sitting at, say, the doctor's office, or, you know, if you're, uh, in the airport with a limited amount of time you can just click or you know search for tasks with a certain amount of time certain amount of priority and you can really manage your bandwidth that way so that you're consistently getting things done now why this is interesting and not necessarily paranoid is because people want the motivation to continue to do stuff they want to They want to be able to get stuff done but they don't know where to start just the simple act of checking a box gives you a little bit of a dopamine rush right and so you are now able to check boxes and just sort of accelerate that snowball by which you're able to you're able to get more done and so this is how you escape something called bandwidth poverty which is Interesting psychological term, which mm-hmm. essentially means that people are so stressed. You know that feeling when uh, you get so stressed and there's so many things to do that you just do nothing. Exactly. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. there's actually a psycho- and there's actually a psychological term for that and it's called bandwidth poverty. <laughs> and you operate in the same way that a person who has monetary poverty does in terms of how your brain functions.
2: Yeah, right.
1: This whole system that we've been talking about for the past 15 minutes
2: yeah.
1: is designed to help you snowball your productivity, do a lot more, but yeah. also escape that bandwidth poverty and ultimately become, going back to that battlefield analogy, the general of your life rather than the infantryman, which sometimes we all slip into. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's,
0: that's super cool. I didn't even know there was a term for that.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah this is what happens when you end up at, you know one of my resources is productivity so I I spend a lot of time just enjoying On the the other yeah the other nerds in the world and I talk about productivity <laughs> I
0: love it now one of my uh, loves is mental um, well it's come to late in the last year or so is cognition enhancement now I like to ask oh yeah What are your favorite strategies towards cognition and mental, uh, you know,
1: focus, clarity, use, all that? Okay. So are we talking, so nootropics or? Anything. Like anything. Anything. anything.
2: So what are your top top ones? Yeah.
1: So in terms of just getting a hold of what you need to do, what we just talked about for Mm. the past 15 minutes is a very good strategy. Um, And if you haven't done that yet, I would start there. Mm. Um, and then from there in terms of cognitive enhancement I think there's a lot of foundational building blocks that people need to build before they go and take a nootropic for instance like are you sleeping well Dr. Ted says this in a much more eloquent way than I'm going (laughs) to but are you sleeping well are you breathing well Mm-hmm. are you eating well? Like, Hey, Mr. Coca-Cola drinker, like you need to back off that because are you eating well and going to back to the measurement, you can look at sort of a, a continuous glucose measurement, which is something mm-hmm. that I've done in the past and look at your energy levels. And maybe there are things within this complex, this foundational level that you need to address first mm-hmm. before going to that level of nootropics, mm-hmm. because if you start going into cognitive enhancement without addressing the foundations there's chances that something may short circuit over time and so you probably want to address at a foundational level these things which also cost less money they're not quite as sexy but you know getting getting 7 to 9 hours of sleep per night you know making sure that you're breathing diaphragmatically making sure that you know, you're not eating fried food from FABO, which is, if you've ever been to Amsterdam, FABO is this disgusting thing. Um, <laughs> is that like but,
0: like the slots and there's like the food? Exactly,
1: exactly, yeah.
0: <laughs> I still remember so, that, I've still got them
1: there. I, they still do, it's, uh, so <laughs> FABO is basically in every neighborhood, there's multiple of them. Wow. And it's kind of a sad state of affairs, which i don't really go out much on a friday night anymore but it's entertaining to watch like you go and if you want a little bit of an entertainment you go and you like park your chair outside the Fabo and just watch people obliterate themselves <laughs> on food uh but going back to the discussion around cognitive enhancement assuming you're doing that and assuming like you're getting ample amounts of sun which is actually hard to do here in amsterdam
2: mm. uh
1: then starting to look into the nootropic side of things, uh, there's a couple out there that I do love. Um, the one that originally comes to mind was Qualia's original stack. So NeuroHacker has this product, and I think you can get this one in Australia. Mm, I um,
0: think you can get it sent here. I'm actually going to be talking to Ben soon, I think, from NeuroHacker. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, so ben, Ben's a great guy and James and the whole crew. And mm-hmm. I like their approach of sort of complex systems analysis towards tackling effectively human sovereignty. Mm-hmm. But their original stack, which the reason the original stack differs from Qualia mind is because new is not something that you can actually bring into the EU. Uh, the original stack was something that I enjoyed quite a bit, mm-hmm. and still do. I have a stash sitting right here. The second one um, is, of course, our buddies at Transcriptions Blue cannotine. and oh, yeah. I love, I love the formulation because if you think about the purpose of Transcriptions in terms of what we talked about from a health optimization medicine perspective. Mm. of you know health optimization, medicine, and practice, we're looking at nutrient and hormone balancing, um, as well as I mean, of course, lifestyle modifications. But mm-hmm. there's usually a gap between when that stuff, uh, when you recommend that to somebody and when it takes hold, right? Like you're not going to just take your your vitamin B pill and all of a sudden all of your vitamin B woes are going to be fixed, right? Yeah, uh, uh, that's it, that takes time. and mm-hmm. nutrient balancing takes time. And so, you know, the transcriptions line uh, is meant to plug those gaps in time. And so I, I travel quite a lot still. And sometimes when you're getting off that eight, nine hour time change, time zone change, not just flight, and you need to perform, you need to be on a podcast, have some sort of verbal fluency.
2: Mm-hmm
1: what do you, what do you go to? And for me, it's blue canatine, uh, blue canatine accelerates my verbal fluency. It helps my short-term memory. Maybe I should have taken it before this podcast. No, I'm joking. Uh, (laughs) but (laughs) it's also, um, it's also just extremely effective, uh, for me for focus as well. Yeah. And so if there are moments where I'm at sub 100%, because I just Mm. love living at that 100% level, Mm. I will use it as an effective tool to plug that gap. And so blue canatine, unfortunately, because of the CBD in it, we can't get it to odds just yet, but we'll work on that solution. Um, And I encourage people that once your travel ban gets lifted, wherever you go, we can probably get it to you in that country instead. Um, so check it out there.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Stay, stay, um, stay on track for that. We'll uh, keep mm-hmm. you updated. Of um, course. Awesome. Okay, cool. Um, I love all those suggestions and even tips. So we might just do one more and one thing that you would recommend for anyone out there that they can apply to their life right now for, productivity, mental focus. I know it's a big, broad topic, but where can they start tomorrow?
1: Meditation, I think. Amazing. Um, if there were one thing that I would do in this whole health field first, it would be meditation. I started meditating back when I was in banking and mm-hmm. the difference between I don't mean to sound egoic here, because that would defeat the purpose of meditation. But like pre-boomer meditation, or, yeah. or pre, or sorry, pre-meditation boomer and post-meditation boomer yeah. are night and day in terms of just behavior, reactivity, uh, etc. And going back to that analogy of battle plan, mm. if I want to remove myself from the weeds. And kind of be above the trees or just looking at how do I become the general rather than the infantryman? Meditation has been extremely helpful for me for that. Mm -hmm. And then the second benefit that I love is the power of pausing. So by meditating, I now have created these moments whereby before I react to a question, um, you know, before I react to a statement, which may hit me in a way that could cause an argument, I'm able to pause for a couple of seconds and say, "How do I actually want to react to this?" And that has saved me in terms of getting back to productivity. that saved me time, that saved me stress, that saved me in so many different levels. So meditation, there's plenty of guided meditations out there um, to get started, but just you know being with that is it's incredible.
0: Mm-hmm wow that's amazing thank you so much and that i think is a a beautiful place to start for everyone so i really appreciate your time today
1: jody this has been an absolute pleasure um Mm -hmm. i look forward to continuing the conversation
0: absolutely let's do this at another time um and i would love to talk more with you about health optimization and what also that uh, what we're working towards with that at the moment Um, and how that's progressing in the next month, I'd say, would be nice.
1: Absolutely. Let's do it whenever you're ready.
0: Awesome. All right. Thanks so much, Boomer. I'll talk to you later. See you. Thanks for listening to the Revital Health Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Health as well as our website, revitalhealth.com.au, for upcoming podcasts, workshops and speaking events. Find out about specials happening in the clinic and all the show notes and links mentioned in the podcast. Please remember that this information discussed here is general information and it is not intended to diagnose or treat individuals. Please speak to your healthcare professional before embarking on any new treatments, lifestyle changes, medicines or supplementation to assess your suitability. Have a wonderful day and we'll see you again soon.